I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this is Jason Perkins of Allagash Brewing. We love Britannomyces. We love to use it. But, you know, you go back a couple of years ago and you might see the word Brett on some of our packaging and you don't see it as much anymore because it might be in the, in the description somewhere. But you leading with it first just confuses most people, you know. Our full conversation is coming up next. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Cigar City Brewing. Through March, you can get your hands on Fancy Papers, the hazy IPA from Cigar City Brewing. It's full of wonderful aromas like fresh cut grass and tangerine and complemented by a white wine grape and bread-like aroma. Flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf present themselves harmoniously with Sauvignon Blanc and bready malt flavors playing supporting roles. All of this is done through the generous dosing of Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops, and it's sure to please lovers of fruit-forward hazy IPAs. Don't wait. Pick up the 6.5% ABV Fancy Papers today where Cigar City beers are sold, and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. It's a subscription service that I launched with Andy Crouch a few weeks back, and we've been really overwhelmed at the response. We're talking with brewers and growers and other beer professionals for a twice-a-week publication that can help give a better understanding of the industry. In recent weeks, I've talked with Vinny Trelerzo about the first bottle release of Point of the Younger, Jim Cook of Boston Beer about their new location and the Dogfish Head integration. We've explored the battle for light lager dollars, did an exit interview with Randy Sprecher and Carol Stout, and Andy tells of his experience blind tasting nearly 40 hard seltzers and what that means for the overall beer industry. Each week, we strive to tell the stories others don't and offer insight from leading experts. An annual subscription gets you all that and more. Check out BeerEdge.com for more details, and thanks for your support. Welcome to the show. I'm John Hall, and last week I was in Portland, Maine, one of the great brewing cities in the country. There's a lot of beer to choose from and a lot of breweries to visit, but no trip is really complete without a visit to Allagash. The brewery has long been a craft beer favorite and built that reputation on the back of a white ale. In an IPA-focused culture, a pint of Allagash White is a delight, and I wanted to know more about it. So I sat down with Jason Perkins, the brewmaster, to get to the bottom of that beer. Unsurprisingly, he said that while other breweries might spend a lot of time talking about hops, he believes the DNA of the brewery is firmly rooted in yeast. From there, we pivot to talking about spices, innovation, and what he's learned as he's risen through the ranks at the brewery. And that's where we started. The word brewmaster gets thrown around a lot and means a lot of different things from brewery to brewery. So what does Jason Perkins do? Here's our conversation. My view of that title has kind of always been, I've always thought about it, and I guess it's probably because it's my role here, as just kind of the person who oversees all of the, um, you know, beer making side of things so for for here that's that starts with raw materials um and so it goes from raw materials procurement um right through brewing cellaring packaging quality and then uh, even to the point of supply chain on the outside as well uh, not how, how does that differ though from being just a shift brewer is it because like when you started off, mm -hmm. you were still doing all of that. Yeah, no, it's a very good point because, uh, I mean, I've probably had the title, officially the title of brewmaster for, I don't know, 18 years or something like that here. <laughs> uh, and, you know, what I did in my day-to-day -day was a lot different then than it is today. I mean, um, you know, so I think that word can be used. 
uh, to describe the person who's kind of in charge of the brewing process. And so in a small brewery, that means you're in charge of it, but maybe you don't have anybody else doing it with you. You're just yeah. doing it by yourself. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, as you grow, you know, the day to day for me has been less and less, uh, on the floor, um, making the beer, uh, and more just involved in oversight. And we have now have a killer team who does the bulk of that work. So it's definitely evolved a bunch over the years. Is that the biggest evolution? Less time on the floor? For me personally? Yeah. Um, I suppose, um, you know, I think uh, my my work with outside organizations has grown with having more time. I mean, my I wouldn't say my involvement in the big picture of the company has changed because when we were smaller, you know, I was, I was involved then as well. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, working less on the floor, uh, is probably, probably the biggest, like in terms of day-to-day job roles for sure. One of the things that you, I guess, sort of hinted at at least of when you're starting with picking up the raw material, uh, materials and then going straight through to packaging and then getting it out into the world. There's a certain DNA that a brewery puts on all of its beers. How do you describe what the Allagash beer DNA is as somebody who's involved in every step of the process? Yeah. I don't think I could do it in, in, a, in a word or even a single sentence. Well, we got time. <laughs> but no, you know, I think I, I, I'd be surprised if you did, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even believe you if you said sure. something easy um, like that. Uh, you know, I think love, you know, right? like, <laughs> great. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Like that's not, yeah. No, yeah, no, it's not that simple. Um, but I mean, there's some key things I would say, certainly this isn't, uh, a, a, you know, a deal breaker rule, but certainly, um, yeast forward, I guess is a good way that we've always described things. But what I mean by that is, um, you know, it's often that a lot of beers, even great craft beers, uh, the yeast is obviously a very important component of the beer in terms of fermentation and, and cl- clean profile and whatever. Yeah. But some other components are often what drive it. You know, uh, hops is often often one. Um, but for us, for the majority of our beers, the the flavor and aroma impact of yeast is important. So, um, yeast selection is a very important part of the of the recipe development process again not that it's not at other places it's just well no we're, uh, but we're just very talking about much you guys. A compo- yeah. an important component of the aroma and flavor co- profile of nearly every beer that we make um dryness is also a pretty important thing for me i'm not saying that all of our beers are dry as a bone um but the majority of them are uh overall more dry there's certainly some that have a little bit more residual sugar like our like our black for example but the majority of our beers have have a dryness and a crispness to the finish. Um, how and did how did that develop over time? Was that just what everybody who was here from those early days found that they liked? And yeah. w- was there ever a conscious decision? Of yeah, saying like, certainly we talked about it um, uh, for sure. I mean, it's a Rob preference. Um, Rob Todd, the Rob Todd, the owner here, and then you know it's a preference of mine. Um, you know, I think probably one of the best demonstrations of that is, you know, one of our, my favorite beers we make is our triple. And, um, you know, that there are triples, one of my favorite styles in the world. And there are a lot of other, uh, versions of that style that are quite sweet. And, um, you know, some people may like those. But for me, um, having a beer that doesn't have sweetness but still perceives with this this thick mouthfeel, if you will, from, from, from the malt, from the higher alcohol, et cetera, 
is a really important component and we've we've um, added that to a lot of different peers so um, so yeah dryness yeast forward those are important and um, you were going to mention a third it seemed like and I yeah, cut you off with uh, the question I think and this is such an overused word in beer but balance is so important um, you know we we have a lot of beers with a complexity of uh, or a, a range of flavor attributes whether that's from yeast from spice from oak from 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 hops from from any number of the various ingredients we use a lot of different ingredients here but i really uh like to have balance and 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 not in all cases but in a lot of cases subtle so you know if we choose to use a spice in a beer for example you know i always like if it's at a level where you put it in front of somebody and they don't know what it is they're like man that's an interesting aroma that's an interesting flavor i can't put my finger on it and you tell them oh it's you know it's this and they say ah totally that we've hit it that's the perfect level that's what in, you want in not in all cases i mean there's certainly some cases where you want it to be a little more dominant but in a lot of cases that's what we're looking for for a spice addition uh or, or another ingredient addition is this you know blended i think is almost a better word than balanced when i mean blended i mean you can have a wide range of flavors and alagash white's a great example of that where there's there's lots of flavor components there, and I think the beauty in that beer is that they're all blended well. Uh, no so one it's more blended than balanced. Out. I like the word blended, I guess, better, probably because balance is so, uh, you know, become almost cliche in the beer world. Well, it, and it has, and it usually means between malt and hops, and it doesn't take into account water. It doesn't take into account yeast. Yeah, good um, point. Typically. Yeah. And that's, yeah. 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 Um, Going back to yeast, though, I, I'm, I'm really curious because to be a yeast-driven brewery, especially in 2020 where, you know, hops have, they're the dominant. Yeah, sure. You know, yeast is almost, yeah. the, you know, they are the serfs. It's, 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 it's the worker while yeah. King Hop is, is hanging out in the, in, in the castle kind of thing. Yeah. But so necessary, so important. Do you think yeast gets overlooked these days? I think it does. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on who you're, t I mean, I think most good brewers don't ever overlook their yeast. They should never, if you're a good brewer, no matter what kind of beers you're making, you can't overlook your yeast. Um, it's everything to the beer, but to the, on the consumer side, yeah, yeah I think it often gets forgotten, uh, for sure. And, you know, you know, hops are one of these things that, that just, it's amazing how you, you know, just a, a almost average consumer of craft beer these days could probably list you five hop varieties, mm -hmm. you know, and, and tell you whether they, they have reasons for it or not. They might tell you, oh, my, I just love that hop, you know, or whatever. Um, they're never, you know, it's rare for someone to be able to talk with that kind of, um, that kind of education around yeast or even malt, frankly. I mean, yeah. It's just, hops it's starting are to change a little right bit, now. but yeah. For sure. But yeast, is, it, it, it's a tough thing to sort of educate people on. You it can't really is. show it to people when you're here nope. uh, taking a right. tour. Um, you know, unless there's an, an assertive beer, you know, I'm thinking some of the bison yeasts or, mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, they're supposed to be background players. When you try to make yeast forward beers and you try to, to, to put that out to people and you're putting it into the center spotlight, how do you do that? Like, how do you get people, you know, to care? Aside from that, it's necessary to actually make alcohol, which is why we're all drinking this in the first place. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's taste, it kind of yeah. depends. I mean, certainly, 
you got to meet your consumer where they are. And, you know, I think for a consumer who cares and wants to learn about it, like we can, we, we can go down lots of rabbit holes with them and we yeah. can, we've got, you know, we've got some stuff on our website. We've done some blogs. We've done, you know, uh, whether you, you have educational stuff here at the brewery, um, you know, we can, we can, we can get there, but in a lot of cases, you know, people don't know, or honestly, maybe they don't even care. They care that the beer tastes good. And so we try to do our best, you know, we're not going to change what we're doing. Um, in terms of the kind of, you know, exactly the kind of beers we're going to make, but how we talk about them to the consumer may change depending on the person. And, you know, I think to go down, down this way, Bertanomyces is a great example of that. Right. So we love Bertanomyces. We love to use it, but you know, you go back a couple of years ago and you might see the word Brett on some of our packaging and you don't see it as much anymore because it might be in the, in the description somewhere, but you leading with it first just confuses most people, you know, and they don't, they might still love the beer, but you know, especially if you're just calling it Brett, which is most, most people call it like, what are yeah. we, talk, we talking about, uh, you know, my buddy here, the dude named Brett, you know, it's just, it doesn't, um, doesn't resonate with people. So, you know, we, and you found, gonna, did you find that over time? Yeah. That it was, I, that it was causing more confusion than help. Yep. I would say that's a, that's a quick, a quick, uh, summary of it. Yeah. I think it's true. Like, well, I mean, draw beer it out, geeks and, yeah. and brewers. No, no, they knew, they knew we were talking about, they loved it. And in some cases, maybe it even helped sell that beer to that crowd, but to people who weren't, which is really a really small part of the population, yeah, it just created more like, well, what, what do you mean? What is, cause like you said earlier, yeast is difficult to explain, but the flavor compounds and the aromas you get from them, especially the speaking just about bread here, especially the more tropical, um, you know, pineapple fruit forward type stuff people just like it. It's good. It smells good. It tastes good. You know, you don't need, you don't need to, to get into the to weeds with people unless they want it. And then you're welcome to get into the weeds. More with Jason Perkins in just a moment. But first, thanks to this episode's sponsor, Cigar City Brewing. Pick up some fancy papers today. It's a 6.5% hazy IPA with a generous dosing of Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops, and is sure to please lovers of the fruit forward, juicy style. Learn more at cigarcitybrewing.com. And now back to Portland, Maine, and Jason Perkins from Allagash Brewing. One of the things that the brewery did just within the last maybe year and a half or so is move to cans mm-hmm. uh, and started packaging beer in cans, yeah. which for a brewery that's been around for as long as Allagash has, um, seems like like a really long time. <laughs> yeah, um, it absolutely is, yeah. And, sure. and it's obviously paid off pretty well and yeah. it's nice to see white and cans yeah. and river trip and, and and all these other beers that, that that you're doing from your standpoint as a brewer did you when 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 the brewer is about to make that change what did you start thinking about beer wise you know it was a long even though it's it, it definitely took us a while for sure and there's lots of reasons for that i mean just in short predominantly um you know, we've always had success with staying focused at what, what we've done and, and tunnel vision, if you will, to some degree. And, you know, we already were making 750 bottles with corks, 375s with corks and bottles. You had, bottles a of, you had a lot of packages. We had a lot on yeah. our plate. And really to be to invest the kind of money that we ended up investing in a, in a high-quality can line, you know, it was a big jump. And, you know, we, we were never anti-cans ever. I don't think you'd ever hear myself or Rob ever 
say we're never going to be in I wasn't accusing like you of being that. No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. no, I understand that, but it's just worth noting. It just took us time to get there. But um, but there was a lot of talk and conversation about it. Uh, you may have even heard that we, we brought in a mobile canner. Yeah, no, I know the guys at Ironheart and, and yeah. all that stuff. And so we, we'd done stuff in cans. And, and I knew enough that, you know, for the most part, you know, wild beer aside, um, you know, can and a bottle are, they're just, they're both great packages for beer from a beer quality perspective. You know, consumer experience is different. Um, if you're not pouring in a glass, it's different, obviously, but, you know, they're great packages for beer. So I don't think our approach to the kind of beers we are making changed really with the bringing on of cans per se. Um, if that kind of gets at the question, I, I don't think my philosophy on brewing beers and what we were doing really changed all that much with the onset of cans. I mean, we may have different beers now than we did before, but I think I could say with confidence, we would have had those beers anyway in a 12 ounce bottle and not in a can. Okay. So the innovation was still going to be there. The new, the pushing yep. of the new recipes yep. and everything. We, we, we do, um, when, with three seven five mil cork bottles and seven fifty cork bottles, those bottles and those corks and cages are designed for higher carbonation. So um, there are still beers that we're going to keep in those. Oh sure. Um, and you know, mixed fermentation beers, beers with bacteria involved, we're not going to throw through our can line. So um, there's there's that still component that. Um, certain beers will stay in either a three seven five mil cork or a seven fifty cork. There, there's been some breweries though who were late to the can game, or just late's not a fair word, but uh, you know they started off in bottles and then eventually mm-hmm. switched switched mm-hmm. to cans. Um, and we're hearing feedback from longtime drinkers saying, "Oh, it doesn't taste the same. I'm uh, getting that metallic taste. I'm getting yeah, all of sure. it." Were, were you guys getting those oh, those I, calls honestly, as well? I, I haven't heard much, which is honestly a little surprising. Um, so you let Sam Adams take that hit for you yeah, guys. And yeah, then, uh, yeah, I haven't heard it, but I mean, I can tell you that we, we had, we went into it with high confidence that it wouldn't be different, but we don't believe, we don't believe in hunches. We believe in reality. And so we have a super robust sensory program here and we put this, this stuff through the ringer and I can say with absolute confidence, there is no difference whatsoever between a white bottle and a white can. None. Um, and I can say that with my own personal experience, but I can prove it with statistics from our sensory panel. It's, they are identical. And that um, had to have been important though, because yes. yeah. yeah. And we do can condition just like we bottle condition. So if we didn't, if we chose to force carbonate in the can, it would be different, Yeah. but we chose not to. So it's, it's, it's identical, same experience, but it's funny. I, I'll tangent for a second. When yeah. we put in our new brew house back in 2013, we put in a new, um, a new uh, spice doser, a new way to add co- uh, coriander, and and we basically were adding it in like a tea bag before, effectively in okay. a big mesh bag in the whirlpool, and we added a external system that is more or less an external tea bag, if you will, like a hotback or something like kind that, kind of like or? hotback. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's very similar to hotback. It's specifically designed for us and for coriander and orange peel, but okay. Um, so the system was different, and you know we were touting that because it was it was it's a really cool system and. Um, much honestly more effective and we actually through a lot of sensory analysis were able to drop our coriander and orange peel spices a little bit because it just the extraction was so much more intense huh. but your your story a second ago about sam adams and metallic cans <laughs> made me remember that we had a couple customer complaints from the field that our beer was spicier and the, the irony of it all was we hadn't sold that beer yet so 
it just demonstrates like we literally hadn't sold beer that had been huh. used the new system because we had a transition period where we were still brewing on the old system. While but we, you announced that it was going to. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty apparent the building was done and yeah. we, we were brewing beer on the new system, yeah. but we um, were brewing very little because we wanted to get flavor match and everything. But it's a great demonstration of consumer perception. But that's when you just want to start hitting your head against yeah. the mash tun. Yeah. It point, honestly right? made yeah. me chuckle because it's just like uh, I had heard other similar stories from other breweries in the past that. Um, consumer perception is, goes a long, long way, for sure. What's something about coriander that all of us should know? There's a huge variation in uh, flavor impact depending on where it's grown and what variety it is, for sure. Which, uh, you know, honestly, I didn't even know when I first started. Well, that's why I'm asking you. I figured, um, like, so we, we used to you have to be a coriander yeah, expert we, at we this point. We used to buy it from one supplier. I'll just keep the suppliers unnamed, but. Um, and it was coming I from imagine over, you guys want to hold that close to the chest. coming over yeah. from overseas. Uh, and we used it for years. And um, not for years. We probably used it for the first 10 years. Um, and it was good. We, we did like it. Um, but we had some supply issues with it. So we went through a big exp- long-term, um, over probably about six months, trialing a variety of vendors. And we landed on a new vendor, U.S.-based vendor, um, that U.S.-grown as well. Huh. Uh, and just the quality is phenomenal uh and you know it definitely goes more in the uh, citrus side of things you can have you, all coriander of course has a lot of uh well like citrusy kind of lemony kind of component to it but um some of the other stuff from overseas is a little more herbal uh than this so um you know i shouldn't be surprised uh that there's such a difference in growing region and 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 uh, variety but big big difference how many pounds of coriander do you guys go through a year? If you, I was going to say I if you had to guess, but I was going to, yeah. My head. Um, it's another thing that I've shift, shifted away from. I know, I know the supplier well, and I know the quality well, but I don't, I don't order, order them anymore. So okay. I honestly don't know off okay. the top of my head. Um, calculate it with a calculator, but I don't know it off the top of my head. All right. Well, we can figure it out, and maybe I'll add it in at the end. Um, as you think about where the brewery is now and you're obviously trying to steer beers into new directions and you're trying to, to capture the attention of new drinkers, but also keep the interest of um, other drinkers. And for the most part, by and large, you guys have been a brewery that hasn't had knee jerk reaction to trends. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't a, you know, Oh, we're going to, you know, do a brute IPA or yeah. uh, we're not going to fight everything to hell or we're not going to, you know, and, 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 and I've always sort of loved that about the, this particular brewery. Where do you look for inspiration now? And what's the, what's the guiding light for the brew team when it comes to what to introduce next? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, inspiration for me personally comes, I mean, really honestly comes from all over. Um, you know, it certainly comes for them speaking for me personally, not yeah. necessarily for the brewery. Uh, I mean, I like where this is going. Yeah. I mean, is, I obviously <laughs> have, <influence laughs> you have an brewery. HR review coming up pretty soon and yeah, it's yeah. But, uh, uh and I'll transition to brewery <laughs> stuff, but I just mean more personally cause you know, I'm always thinking about stuff and it's certainly other, it's other breweries both here and in, and abroad but it's it's food it's you know sometimes maybe even cocktails or something like that that you know flavor matches flavor components that you know i'm not necessarily saying we were making a cocktail beer but like 
you know, components of flavors that work well together. But how that transitions to the brewery is, is a piece of it. But the bigger piece is, again, this pilot team that we have here is, is um, it's amazing what we've been able to do. And we've got a program here where ideas come from every single employee, we've got 140 employees now. So the inspiration, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's, it's, it's easier and it's, it's a wide range. It's a diverse range of ideas because it's literally coming from everybody. So, um, you know, we'll get, I think we're getting, I think it's somewhere around four or five concepts a week that come into the pilot team that we have to vet and look at and decide whether we think are worthwhile and so on. So, so it's, it's really like, it sounds a little cheesy, but it's really innovation from the whole company. It's really, really quite, uh, amazing so that lets us come up with ideas now how we choose ideas yeah because that's we that's the bigger thing it's nice to have forward yeah that there isn't i couldn't tell you that there's a set system for that because it's it, it's nuanced but it and certainly i work closely with uh patrick chavanel our pilot team lead and um jeff our marketing director naomi our sales director they're working with their teams. We're just collecting all the feedback we can because you know we're not we're not going to make something that's not going to resonate. We're going to make something that we're proud of. Um, the 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 example the, the way I like to look at it is it's like the pilot team develops this and I used a sports analogy like a deep bench. Mm-hmm. Like we have a huge bench that we can pull from, and when it's time to, that we need something in our lineup that fits a certain, you know type of beer or whatever it's not like you know the sales team is coming to me and say can you make a juicy ipa or whatever the hell it is it's more like we need not that it's a juicy ipa because we're not making a juicy ipa but you're not uh, we're not no okay um but if if uh you know if they came to us with like you know it would be great if we had a this kind of thing we can look at what we've already got like it's already in the pipeline it's already available and maybe it needs some tweaks but it it, it lets us it lets us stay kind of grassroots and organic in our beer formulation process, but, but still react to the marketplace, if you know what I mean. But but see, here's the thing, though. I imagine that people are saying we need a juicy IPA. You know, you'd be surprised. I, consumers may be saying it, but our own team isn't saying it all that much. Uh, I think maybe because they, it doesn't feel they as don't want to get fired. Us. Yeah, um, and. You know, I, I'm not saying I don't I don't enjoy a good juicy IPA from time to time, but it just doesn't it it, it doesn't necessarily fit with who we're who we are. And uh, you mentioned following trends. It's just we don't we don't. Uh, it's not that exciting for us. I guess is the best way to say it. So Again, what's I, exciting? New flavors, new ex- beer experiences for the consumer. Right, but what does that mean? Oh man, it can mean a whole bunch of different things. Um, yeah, making a whole bunch of different things. I mean, that's the way we well, look Well, give me at- one. I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's sure. a nice thing to say. Um, it's a Hallmark card, but I'm curious as to like... <laughs> fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. Um, so a beer that I was super psyched that we did last year and is coming out again this year is a beer called Moselle, um, which is a beer that is a, a split fermentation beer. So the brew house uh, produces the same, one, one wort stream, if you will, and it gets split to two tanks. One is fermented with a lager strain of yeast. Um, and the other is uh, fermented with a saison strain, and then they're blended back together post fermentation. So huh. you get um, 
very lager-like qualities. So it's, it's about, mm, I think it's like 60, 65% lager and the rest is Saison. Um, so you get, cool. you know, some of the kind of spicy fruity notes of a Saison come through, but yet it's a lager. So it's giving me back to this, like meeting the consumer where they are. Right. Yeah. Like if you're, if you, if you like a good lager, you're going to like this beer. But if you're, if you're like a super Belgian beer geek, you're going to be like, holy shit, this beer. That's okay if I swear, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll hit the button uh, <laughs> that says E, and there'll be a red E when this goes up. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, you know, the Saison component is still there. It's subtle. It's more like a, it's a component of the beer. So that's, I guess that's one example of the kind of thing that, we, that I get really excited about is taking, you know, I mean, we're all brewers. We all love a good Pilsner or a good lager. Um, so taking that component, but, but spinning it and, and making it exciting. Um, and you true, guys have messed around with that as well, right? You did true penny earlier. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just going to mention true penny Pilsner is a similar concept in a way, instead of the Saison component, it's got a Britannomyces fermentation component. That's even more subtle because we really wanted to honor the Pilsner as much as we can. But the, the, so the Brett comes through again for the consumer who knows what Brett is. They're like, that's a cool little subtle background flavor. It's almost like a. Um, the contribution that a certain hop would have in a Pilsner, uh, but it's still very much a Pilsner. So just a couple examples of things so, that we're excited about doing. Yeah, it sounds like if you guys are going to do something, you're going to do it your way. I guess that's one way to put it, and we want to be... Well, I, I... Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's a good way to do it, but it's also like it, it's... It is sometimes can be a fault of ours. Is It's got to be... It's got to be exciting for us to do and interesting for us to do, which unfortunately sometimes can mean that the beers are a pain to make. Um, but I, I'd rather not have it any other way. I mean, it's, it's more interesting to make something that re- requires an interesting process or requires an interesting ingredient addition. Like that's just so much more exciting to me than um, something else. Jason, I know your time is limited, so thanks so much for sitting down this yeah, afternoon. Thank you. This was uh, this was fun. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. We'll hopefully do it again another time. But, All right. Uh, Sounds good. Thanks again. All right. Thanks. That's Jason Perkins of Allagash Brewing. I'm always grateful for the chance to pull back the curtain a bit on what really happens at a brewing company and how beer eventually gets into our glass. And I hope you feel the same way. If you like what you hear, do me the kindness of leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. And you can always reach me directly at John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com or tweet me at John underscore Hall. You know the rest of this deal. Mitch Weber strums the guitar for our theme song. Jeff Quinn designed the logo that you see on your screen. Andy Crouch took the tour at Allagash last week and asked a lot of questions. And Ryan Newhouse gets us the advertisers that keeps us on the air. If you want to learn more, you can reach him at Ryan at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, Drink Beer, Think Beer is brought to you by Cigar City Brewing. Right now, and through the end of the month, you can get your hands on Fancy Papers, the hazy IPA from Cigar City Brewing. It's full of wonderful aromas like fresh-cut grass and tangerine, and complemented by a white wine grape and bread-like aroma. Flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf present themselves harmoniously with Sauvignon Blanc and a bready malt flavor playing supporting roles. All of this is done through the generous dosing of Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 hops, and is sure to please lovers of fruit-forward hazy IPAs. Don't wait. Pick up the limited edition 6.5% ABV Fancy Papers today where Cigar City beers are sold, and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. 
And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. Like I said earlier, it's a subscription service that I launched with Andy Crouch a few weeks back, and we've been really overwhelmed by the response. We're talking with brewers and growers and other beer professionals for the twice-a-week publication that can help give a better understanding of the industry. Each week, we strive to tell the stories others don't and offer insight from leading experts. An annual subscription gets you all that and more. Check out BeerEdge.com for more details, and thanks so much for your support. And that's it. That's the show for this week. I'm John Hall, and I'll be back next Wednesday to drink beer and to think beer. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me then.